Story thirteen of Christmas Stories by Charles Dickens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story thirteen A Message from the Sea. Part two. Morning, sir, said Captain Jorgan. How do you do? The gentleman I am going away with, said the young fisherman to Tregarthen. Oh, returned Kitty's father, surveying the unfortunate captain with a look of extreme disfavour i confess that i can't say i am glad to see you no said the captain and to admit the truth that seems to be the general opinion in these parts but don't be hasty you may think better of me by and by i hope so observed tregarthen well i hope so observed the captain quite at his ease more than that i believe so though you don't now mr tregarthen you don't want to exchange words of mistrust with me and if you did you couldn't because i wouldn't you and i are old enough to know better than to judge against experience from surfaces and appearances and if you haven't lived to find out the evil and injustice of such judgments you are a lucky man the other seemed to shrink under this remark and replied sir i have lived to feel it deeply well said the captain mollified then i've made a good cast without knowing it now tregarthen there stands the lover of your only child and here stand i who know his secret i warrant it a righteous secret and none of his making though bound to be of his keeping i want to help him out with it and towards that end i ask you to favour us with the names of two or three old residents in the village of lanrin as i am taking out my pocket-book and pencil to put the names down i may as well observe to you that this wrote atop of the first page here is my name and address silas jones jorgan salem massachusetts united states if ever you take it in your head to run over any morning i shall be glad to welcome you now what may be the spelling of these said names there was an elderly man said tregarthen named david polreath he may be dead well said the captain cheerfully if polreath's dead and buried and can be made of any service to us polreath won't object to our digging of him up polreath's down anyhow there was another named penruin i don't know his christian name never mind his christian name said the captain penruin for short there was another named john treadgear and a pleasant-sounding name too said the captain john treadgear's booked i can recall no other except old parvis one of old parvis's family i reckon said the captain kept a dry-goods store in new york city and realized a handsome competency by burning his house to ashes same name anyhow david polreath unchristened penwaren john treadgear and old arson parvis i can't recall any others at the moment thank ye said the captain and so tregarthen hoping for your good opinion yet and likewise for the fair devonshire flowers your daughters i give you my hand sir and wish you good day young raybrock accompanied him disconsolately for there was no kitty at the window when he looked up no kitty in the garden when he shut the gate no kitty gazing after them along the stony ways when they began to climb back now i tell you what said the captain not being at present calculated to promote harmony in your family i won't come in you go and get your dinner at home and i'll get mine at the little hotel 
let our hour of meeting be two o'clock and you'll find me smoking a cigar in the sun afore the hotel door tell tom pettifer my steward to consider himself on duty and to look after your people till we come back you'll find he'll have made himself useful to em already and will be quite acceptable all was done as captain jorgan directed punctually at two o'clock the young fisherman appeared with his knapsack at his back and punctually at two o'clock the captain jerked away the last feather end of his cigar let me carry your baggage captain jorgan i can easily take it with mine thank ye said the captain i'll carry it myself it's only a comb they climbed out of the village and paused among the trees and fern on the summit of the hill above to take breath and to look down at the beautiful sea suddenly the captain gave his leg a resounding slap and cried never knew such a right thing in all my life and ran away the cause of this abrupt retirement on the part of the captain was little kitty among the trees the captain went out of sight and waited and kept out of sight and waited until it occurred to him to beguile the time with another cigar he lighted it and smoked it out and still he was out of sight and waiting he stole within sight at last and saw the lovers with their arms entwined and their bent heads touching moving slowly among the trees it was the golden time of the afternoon then and the captain said to himself golden sun golden sea golden sails golden leaves golden love golden youth a golden state of things altogether nevertheless the captain found it necessary to hail his young companion before going out of sight again in a few moments more he came up and they began their journey that still young woman with the fatherless child said captain jorgan as they fell into step didn't throw her words away but good honest words are never thrown away and now that i am conveying you off from that tender little thing that loves and relies and hopes i feel just as if i was the snarling critter in the pictures with the tight legs and the long nose and the feather in his cap the tips of whose moustaches get up nearer to his eyes the wickeder he gets the young fisherman knew nothing of mephistopheles but he smiled when the captain stopped to double himself up and slapped his leg and they went along in right good fellowship note the third and fourth chapters of this christmas number were not by mr dickens after the first and second he did not resume the pen until the chapter entitled the restitution here numbered as the fifth for the two intervening chapters the reader is referred to the number as republished in the volume of the nine christmas numbers of all the year round End note. chapter five restitution captain jorgan up and out betimes had put the whole village of lanrean under an amicable cross-examination and was returning to the king arthur's arms to breakfast none the wiser for his trouble when he beheld the young fisherman advancing to meet him accompanied by a stranger a glance at this stranger assured the captain that he could be no other than the seafaring man and the captain was about to hail him as a fellow-craftsman when the two stood still and silent before the captain and the captain stood still silent and wondering before them why what's this cried the captain when at last he broke the silence you two are alike you two are much alike what's this 
not a word was answered on the other side until after the seafaring brother had got hold of the captain's right hand and the fisherman's brother had got hold of the captain's left hand and if ever the captain had had his fill of handshaking from his birth to that hour he had it then and presently up and spoke the two brothers one at a time two at a time two dozen at a time for the bewilderment into which they plunged the captain until he gradually had hugh raybrock's deliverance made clear to him and also unravelled the fact that the person referred to in the half obliterated paper was tregarthen himself formerly dear captain jorgan said alfred of lanrean you recollect kitty and her father came to live at steepways after hugh shipped on his last voyage ay ay cried the captain fetching a breath now you have me in tow then your brother here don't know his sister-in-law that is to be so much as by name never saw her never heard of her ay 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 cried the captain why then we every one go back together paper writer and all and take tregarthen into the secret we kept from him surely said alfred we can't help it now we must go through with our duty not a doubt returned the captain give me an arm apiece and let us set this ship shape so walking up and down in the shrill wind on the wild moor while the neglected breakfast cooled within the captain and the brothers settled their course of action it was that they should all proceed by the quickest means they could secure to barnstable and there look over the father's books and papers in the lawyer's keeping as hugh had proposed to himself to do if ever he reached home that enlightened or unenlightened they would then return to steepways and go straight to mr tregarthen and tell him all they knew and see what came of it and act accordingly lastly that when they got there they should enter the village with all precautions against hugh's being recognized by any chance and that to the captain should be consigned the task of preparing his wife and mother for his restoration to this life for you see quoth captain jorgan touching the last head it requires caution anyway great joys being as dangerous as great griefs if not more dangerous as being more uncommon and therefore less provided against in this round world of ours and besides i should like to free my name with the ladies and take you home again at your brightest and luckiest so don't let's throw away a chance of success the captain was highly lauded by the brothers for this kind interest and foresight and now stop said the captain coming to a standstill and looking from one brother to the other with quite a new rigging of wrinkle about each eye you are of opinion to the elder that you are rather slow i assure you that i am very slow said the honest hugh well replied the captain i assure you that to the best of my belief i am rather smart now a slow man ain't good at quick business is he that was clear to both you said the captain turning to the younger brother are a little in love ain't you not a little captain jorgan much or little you're sort of preoccupied ain't you it was impossible to be denied and a sort preoccupied man ain't good at quick business is he said the captain equally clear on all sides now said the captain i ain't in love myself and i've made many a smart run across the ocean and i should like to carry on and go ahead with this affair of yours and make a run slick through it 
shall i try will you hand it over to me they were both delighted to do so and thanked him heartily good said the captain taking out his watch this is half past eight a m friday morning i'll jot that down and we'll compute how many hours we've been out when we run into your mother's post-office there the entry's made and now we go ahead they went ahead so well that before the barnstable lawyer's office was open next morning the captain was sitting whistling on the step of the door waiting for the clerk to come down the street with his key and open it but instead of the clerk there came the master with whom the captain fraternized on the spot to an extent that utterly confounded him as he personally knew both hugh and alfred there was no difficulty in obtaining immediate access to such of the father's papers as were in his keeping these were chiefly old letters and cash accounts from which the captain with a shrewdness and dispatch that left the lawyer far behind established with perfect clearness by noon the following particulars that one lawrence clissold had borrowed of the deceased at a time when he was a thriving young tradesman in the town of barnstable the sum of five hundred pounds that he had borrowed it on the written statement that it was to be laid out in furtherance of a speculation which he expected would raise him to independence he being at the time of writing that letter no more than a clerk in the house of dringworth brothers american square london that the money was borrowed for a stipulated period but that when the term was out the aforesaid speculation failed and clissold was without means of repayment that the hereupon he had written to his creditor in no very persuasive terms vaguely requesting further time that the creditor had refused this concession declaring that he could not afford delay that clissold then paid the debt accompanying the remittance of the money with an angry letter describing it as having been advanced by a relative to save him from ruin that in acknowledging the receipt raybrock had cautioned clissold to seek to borrow money of him no more as he would never so risk money again before the lawyer the captain said never a word in reference to these discoveries but when the papers had been put back in their box and he and his two companions were well out of the office his right leg suffered for it and he said so far this run's begun with a fair wind and a prosperous for don't you see that all this agrees with that dutiful trust in his father maintained by the slow member of the raybrock family whether the brothers had seen it before or no they saw it now not that the captain gave them much time to contemplate the state of things at their ease for he instantly whipped them into a chaise again and bore them off to steepways although the afternoon was but just beginning to decline when they reached it and it was broad daylight still they had no difficulty by dint of muffling the returned sailor up and ascending the village rather than descending it in reaching tregarthen's cottage unobserved kitty was not visible and they surprised tregarthen sitting writing in the small bay window of his little room sir said the captain instantly shaking hands with him pen and all i'm glad to see you sir how do you do sir i told you you'd think better of me by and by and i congratulate you on going to do it here the captain's eye fell on tom pettifer engaged in preparing some cookery at the fire 
that critter said the captain smiting his leg is a born steward and never ought to have been in any other way of life stop where you are tom and make yourself useful now tregarthen i'm going to try a chair accordingly the captain drew one close to him and went on this loving member of the raybrock family you know sir this slow member of the same family you don't know sir while well, these two are brothers fact hugh's come to life again and here he stands now see here my friend you don't want to be told that he was cast away but you do want to be told for there's a purpose in it that he was cast away with another man that man by name was lawrence clissold at the mention of this name tregarthen started and changed colour what's the matter said the captain he was a fellow-clerk of mine thirty-five and thirty years ago true said the captain immediately catching at the clue dringworth brothers american square london city the other started again nodded and said that was the house now pursued the captain between those two men cast away there arose a mystery concerning the round sum of five hundred pound again tregarthen started changing colour again the captain said what's the matter as tregarthen only answered please to go on the captain recounted very tersely and plainly the nature of clissold's wanderings on the barren island as he had condensed them in his mind from the seafaring man tregarthen became greatly agitated during this recital and at length exclaimed clissold was the man who ruined me i have suspected it for many a long year and now i know it and how said the captain drawing his chair still closer to tregarthen and clapping his hand upon his shoulder how may you know it when we were fellow clerks replied tregarthen in that london house it was one of my duties to enter daily in a certain book an account of the sums received that day by the firm and afterward paid into the bankers one memorable day a wednesday the black day of my life among the sums i so entered was one of five hundred pounds i begin to make it out said the captain yes it was one of clissold's duties to copy from this entry a memorandum of the sums which the clerk employed to go to the bankers paid in there it was my duty to hand the money to clissold it was clissold's to hand it to the clerk with that memorandum of his writing on that wednesday i entered a sum of five hundred pounds received i handed that sum as i handed the other sums in the day's entry to clissold i was absolutely certain of it at the time i have been absolutely certain of it ever since a sum of five hundred pounds was afterward found by the house to have been that day wanting from the bag from clissold's memorandum and from the entries in my book clissold being questioned stood upon his perfect clearness in the matter and emphatically declared that he asked no better than to be tested by tregarthen's book my book was examined and the entry of five hundred pounds was not there how not there said the captain when you made it yourself tregarthen continued i was then questioned had i made the entry certainly i had the house produced my book and it was not there i could not deny my book i could not deny my writing i knew there must be forgery by some one but the writing was wonderfully like mine and i could impeach no one if the house could not i was required to pay the money back 
i did so and i left the house almost broken-hearted rather than remain there even if i could have done so with a dark shadow of suspicion always on me i returned to my native place glanrine and remained there clerk to a mine until i was appointed to my little post here i well remember said the captain that i told you that if you had no experience of ill-judgments on deceiving appearances you were a lucky man you went hurt at that and i see why i'm sorry thus it is said tregarthen of my own innocence i have of course been sure it has been at once my comfort and my trial of clissold i have always had suspicions almost amounting to certainty but they have never been confirmed until now for my daughter's sake and for my own i have carried this subject in my own heart as the only secret of my life and have long believed that it would die with me well my good sir said the captain cordially the present question is and will be long i hope concerning living and not dying now here are our two honest friends the loving raybrock and the slow here they stand agreed on one point on which i'd back em round the world and right across it from north to south and then again from east to west and through it from your deepest cornish mine to china it is that they will never use this same so often mentioned sum of money and that restitution of it must be made to you these two the loving member and the slow for the sake of the right and of their father's memory will have it ready for you to-morrow take it and ease their minds and mine and end a most unfortunate transaction tregarthen took the captain by the hand and gave his hand to each of the young men but positively and finally answered no he said they trusted to his word and he was glad of it and at rest in his mind but there was no proof and the money must remain as it was all were very earnest over this and earnestness in men when they are right and true is so impressive that mr pettifer deserted his cookery and looked on quite moved and so said the captain so we come as that lawyer critter over yonder where we were this morning might to mere proof do we we must have it must we how from this clissold's wanderings and from what you say it ain't hard to make out that there was a neat forgery of your writing committed by the too smart rowdy that was grease and ashes when i made his acquaintance and a substitution of a forged leaf in your book for a real and true leaf torn out now was that real and true leaf then and there destroyed no for says he in his drunken way he slipped it into a crack in his own desk because you came into the office before there was time to burn it and could never get back to it afterwards wait a bit where is that desk now do you consider it likely to be in american square london city tregarthen shook his head the house has not for years transacted business in that place i have heard of it and read of it as removed enlarged every way altered things alter so fast in these times you think so returned the captain with compassion but you should come over and see me afore you talk about that well now this desk this paper this paper this desk said the captain ruminating and walking about and looking in his uneasy abstraction into mr pettifer's hat on a table among other things this desk this paper 
this paper this desk the captain continued musing and roaming about the room i'd give however he gave nothing but took up his steward's hat instead and stood looking into it as if he had just come into church after that he roamed again and again said this desk belonging to this house of dringworth brothers american square london city mr pettifer still strangely moved and now more moved than before cut the captain off as he backed across the room and bespake him thus captain jorgan i have been wishful to engage your attention but i couldn't do it i am unwilling to interrupt captain jorgan but i must do it i know something about that house the captain stood stock still and looked at him with his mr pettifer's hat under his arm you're aware pursued his steward that i was once in the broking business captain jorgan i was aware said the captain that you had failed in that calling and in half the business is going tom not quite so captain jorgan but i failed in the broking business i was partners with my brother sir there was a sale of old office furniture at dringworth brothers when the house was moved from america square and me and my brother made what we call in the trade a deal there sir and i'll make you bold to say sir that the only thing i ever had from my brother or from any relation for my relations have mostly taken property from me instead of giving me any was an old desk we bought at that same sale with a crack in it my brother wouldn't have given me even that when we broke partnership if it had been worth anything where is that desk now said the captain well captain jorgan replied the steward i couldn't say for certain where it is now but when i saw it last which was last time we were outward bound it was at a very nice lady's at wapping along with a little chest of mine which was detained for a small matter of a bill owing the captain instead of paying that rapt attention to his steward which was rendered by the other three persons present went to church again in respect of the steward's hat and a most especially agitated and memorable face the captain produced from it after a short pause now tom said the captain i spoke to you when we first came here respecting your constitutional weakness on the subject of sunstroke you did sir will my slow friend said the captain lend me his arm or i shall sink right backwards into this blessed steward's cookery now tom pursued the captain when the required assistance was given on your oath as a steward didn't you take that desk to pieces to make a better one of it and put it together fresh or something of the kind on my oath i did sir replied the steward and by the blessing of heaven my friends one and all cried the captain radiant with joy of the heaven that put it into this tom pettifer's head to take so much care of his head against the bright sun he lined his hat with the original leaf in tregarthen's writing and here it is with that the captain to the utter destruction of mr pettifer's favourite hat produced the book-leaf very much worn but still legible and gave both his legs such tremendous slaps that they were heard far off in the bay and never accounted for a quarter past five p m said the captain pulling out his watch and that's thirty-three hours and a quarter in all and a pretty run now they were all overpowered with delight and triumph 
how the money was restored then and there to tregarthen how tregarthen then and there gave it all to his daughter how the captain undertook to go to dringworth brothers and re-establish the reputation of their forgotten old clerk how kitty came in and was nearly torn to pieces and the marriage was reappointed needs not be told nor how she and the young fisherman went home to the post-office to prepare the way for the captain's coming by declaring him to be the mightiest of men who had made all their fortunes and then dutifully withdrew together in order that he might have the domestic coast entirely to himself how he availed himself of it is all that remains to tell deeply delighted with his trust and putting his heart into it he raised the latch of the post-office parlour where mrs raybrock and the young widow sat and said may i come in sure you may captain jorgan replied the old lady and good reason you have to be free of the house though you have not been too well used in it by some who ought to have known better i ask your pardon no you don't madam said the captain for i won't let you well to be sure by this time he had taken a chair on the hearth between them never felt such an evil spirit in the whole course of my life there i tell you i could almost have cut my own connection like the dealer in my country way west who when he had let himself be outdone in a bargain said to himself now i tell you what i'll never speak to you again and he never did but joined a settlement of oysters and translated the multiplication table into their language which is a fact that can be proved if you doubt it mention it to any oyster you come across and see if he'll have the face to contradict it he took the child from her mother's lap and set it on his knee not a bit afraid of me now you see knows i am fond of small people i have a child and she's a girl and i sing to her sometimes what do you sing asked margaret not a long song my dear silas jorgan played the organ that's about all and sometimes i tell her stories stories of sailors supposed to be lost and recovered after all hope was abandoned here the captain musingly went back to his song silas jorgan played the organ repeating it with his eyes on the fire and he softly danced the child on his knee for he felt that margaret had stopped working yes said the captain still looking at the fire i make up stories and tell em to that child stories of shipwreck on desert islands and long delay in getting back to civilized lands it is to stories the like of that mostly that silas jorgan plays the organ there was no light in the room but the light of the fire for the shades of night were on the village and the stars had begun to peep out of the sky one by one as the houses of the village peeped out from among the foliage when the night departed the captain felt that margaret's eyes were upon him and thought it discreetest to keep his own eyes on the fire yes i make em up said the captain i make up stories of brothers brought together by the good providence of god of sons brought back to mothers husbands brought back to wives fathers raised from the deep for little children like herself margaret's touch was on his arm and he could not choose but look round now next moment her hand moved imploringly to his breast and she was on her knees before him supporting the mother who was also kneeling what's the matter said the captain what's the matter silas jorgan played the 
their looks and tears were too much for him and he could not finish the song short as it was mistress margaret you have borne ill fortune well could you bear good fortune equally well if it was to come i hope so i thankfully and humbly and earnestly hope so well my dear said the captain perhaps it has come he's uh, don't be frightened shall i say the word alive yes the thanks they fervently addressed to heaven were again too much for the captain who openly took out his handkerchief and dried his eyes he's no further off resumed the captain than my country indeed he's no further off than his own native country to tell you the truth he's no further off than falmouth indeed i doubt if he's quite so far indeed if you was sure you could bear it nicely and i was to do no more than whistle for him the captain's trust was discharged a rush came and they were all together again this was a fine opportunity for tom pettifer to appear with a tumbler of cold water and he presently appeared with it and administered it to the ladies at the same time soothing them and composing their dresses exactly as if they had been passengers crossing the channel the extent to which the captain slapped his legs when mr pettifer acquitted himself of this act of stewardship could have been thoroughly appreciated by no one but himself inasmuch as he must have slapped them black and blue and they must have smarted tremendously he couldn't stay for the wedding having a few appointments to keep at the irreconcilable distance of about four thousand miles so next morning all the village cheered him up to the level ground above and there he shook hands with a complete census of its population and invited the whole without exception to come and stay several months with him at salem massachusetts u s and there as he stood on the spot where he had seen that little golden picture of love and parting and from which he could that morning contemplate another golden picture with a vista of golden years in it little kitty put her arms around his neck and kissed him on both his bronzed cheeks and laid her pretty face upon his storm-beaten breast in sight of all ashamed to have called such a noble captain names and there the captain waved his hat over his head three final times and there he was last seen going away accompanied by tom pettifer and carrying his hands in his pockets and there before that ground was softened with the fallen leaves of three more summers a rosy little boy took his first unsteady run to a fair young mother's breast and the name of that infant fisherman was Jorgen Raybrock. End of story thirteen, part two.